0: and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. When you hear the term voice of the Lord, what comes to your mind? Is it Morgan Freeman in Bruce Almighty? uh, Or Charleston Heston in the Ten Commandments? Or Val Kilmer in Prince of Egypt? Or Ian McKellen in Lord of the Rings? Or more recently, maybe it's Jonathan Rumi in The Chosen. Right? When you hear the term voice of the Lord, what comes to your mind? I think often if we think of the voice of the Lord from the pages of scripture, probably a story in the book of First Kings from the life of Elijah comes to our mind. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is running from Jezebel. He's a prophet of God. And he's running from Jezebel, and the Lord sends him into a mountain, and he experiences and hears the voice of the Lord. And it says this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11, And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, behold the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind." And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I think when many of us hear the voice of the Lord we think of Elijah's encounter with that low whisper. Uh, You maybe have heard it translated, the still small voice of God. I think that's typically what we think of when we hear the voice of the Lord. And although it is true that the voice of God can be, as it was for Elijah, a still small voice, we often don't think of God's voice the way David will call us to hear the voice of the Lord in Psalms 29. The reason we don't hear it the way David calls us to hear it is because I would say we have a too small view of God. We have in many ways dumbed down God to the place where He is a weak-voiced man who can't hold His own in any area of life and He's begging for people to come follow Him but His voice is not quite loud enough for people to hear david in psalms 29 gives us a much different view of the voice of god so let me introduce you to psalm 29 psalms 29 is a purely praise song it is david writing a praise song to the lord you're going to find in this psalm that three scenes are going to unfold before your eyes we're going to start in the heavens scene one Scene two, we're going to come down to the sky and the waters and the earth and the mountains and the wilderness. And then scene three, we're going to end up with the people of God. So you're going to see three scenes unfold before your eyes. In the heavens, on the earth, and with the people of God. You're going to hear the term Lord repeated 18 times in 11 verses. So 18 times as David is writing this praise song, he uses the term Lord. It is the the term Lord that is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, meaning it is Yahweh. It is the covenant name of God. It is the name that really we don't have a translation to because it was just letters, it was just consonants. There was no name because it was so holy and set apart. They didn't want you to say it. And we've just added in Yahweh to make it something that we could say. That's how valuable this name is. And he uses it 18 times. And it's this covenant keeping God who's true to his word 18 times in 11 verses. You're going to find another phrase that is repeated seven times in six verses. And that is the voice of the Lord. So the Lord 18 times, the voice of the Lord seven times, which is leading us to the main point of Psalms 29, and it is this, the Lord is over all, therefore we should praise Him. The Lord is over all, therefore we should praise Him. So that's where we're headed in the text today. Here's just a general outline for you to see how we're going to get from the heavens to the earth to us in Psalms 29, 1 through 2, David is ascending us into heaven where he calls them to worship. The heavenly beings, he will refer to them, calls them to worship. Verses 29, or chapter 29, 3 through 9, he comes back down to the earth and you see the voice of God over the storm. And then in 29, 10 through 11, we see that God is on his throne. Let me pray. And then we'll work through Psalms 29 together. Father, thank you for this time to gather with your people today and worship you through your word, through song. What a great job our team did today in leading us in calling us to worship and leading us to worship you through great songs. You are worthy of our praise. Christ, you are to be magnified in this place so we we thank you lord that we can come to the word today with prepared hearts because we've been led into the throne room through our team today we pray now as we look at psalms 29 that we would see you as lord overall that this psalm would capture our hearts and change us from the inside out i I thank you lord for our church family what a big week it was for our church family and i'm grateful for all those who served this week in our clothing giveaway Uh, hundreds of people serving this week and bringing in donations and we thank you lord for the hundreds of people that were blessed yesterday from the clothes that were given away and lord we do that not because we want the glory for antioch we do that because we want the glory to go to you and ultimately lord we want more people to be a part of your family and so i pray that through the clothes that were given away and through the service of people laying down their lives this week that we would see many come to know you and to follow you through the simple generosity of giving away clothes i thank you lord for each person that served faithfully i do think lord of people in our church who this week celebrated the birth of new babies and we're grateful lord for healthy deliveries and healthy mamas and we, we're so thankful lord for um a uh, new life in our church we also come with heavy hearts for people who have received uh, difficult news this week and just the heaviness of the brevity of life uh, we just thank you lord that in moments like that that we can come to psalms 29 and know that you're lord over it all That this hasn't slipped by you, that you haven't forgotten them, Lord, but you are with them, you are for them, and may your grace and strength sustain them. Thank you, Lord, for our church family. What a gift it is to be a part of what you're doing here at Antioch. Now open our eyes to see you clearly so that we'll be changed when we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Psalms 29 and verses 1 and 2, David calls us calls the heavenly beings to worship. He uses term ascribe three times in these first two verses. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory Do His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. He uses the term ascribe, which means to give to the Lord three times to show us the who, the what, and the why of His call to worship first is who is he calling to worship you'll see it in verse 1 ascribe to the Lord O heavenly being so David has taken his mind to the splendor of heaven the beauty of heaven and he he has taken his mind to this divine moment where God is sitting on his throne and the angels are around him the sons of God are around the throne of God and he's calling these heavenly beings these angels these sons of God to give glory to God to give Give praise to god that is the the who here the heavenly beings the angels the sons of god then we see in the next ascribe to the lord glory and strength worship the lord in the splendor of his holiness he gives us what we are to praise him for or what the heavenly beings are to praise him for for glory and strength and the splendor of his holiness glory carries with it the idea of being really really important that he is really really important he says in isaiah 42 8 i am the lord that is my name my glory my importance i give to no other nor my praise to carved images. So as David calls the heavenly beings to worship, he calls them to give glory to God because of His glory, because He is the most important God of all the gods. Then he says, strength, the strength of the Lord is like no other God's. We are about to see this strength, just buckle up. We're about to see this strength put on full display in verses 3 through 9. But His strength is like no other strength. You'll remember last week, David talked about the strength of the Lord in Psalm 28, 7 and 8. He said, the Lord is my strength. In verse 8, he said, the Lord is the strength of His strength people. He's saying the what behind your praise is not only the importance of God, but the strength of God. And then he uses this term at the end of verse 2, worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. What, What is the splendor of His holiness? The picture here is of a king in his robe. You ever picture a king sitting on his Robe In the splendor of His holiness, that, that robe that He wears sets Him apart. Yeah. Right? Nobody else wears the robe that the king wears. And he is saying we worship the Lord, we praise the Lord because of the splendor of His holiness. That He wears a robe that nobody else wears. That He is set apart from every other God. I picture the scene when our president comes into town. He comes in the splendor of his holiness. What do I mean by that? Well, two weeks before he gets here, Secret Service comes out and makes sure that the way that he is going to be going on is prepared, right? They go to the building that he's going to be at and they go work around the building and make sure it is a secure building. Then when the president comes, his entourage comes with him, right? And they close off the airways. They close off landing strips. They close off highways. And when you see him coming, there's an entourage that is coming with him. That's the splendor of his holiness. And David says, we praise the Lord for the entourage that comes with Him. That when He comes, it sets Him apart from every other God. He clears the airways. He clears the landing strip. He clears the highways. And wherever He goes, you know the splendor of His holiness. He is set apart from every other God. This is why we praise Him. This is what we praise Him for. His glory and His strength and the, the splendor of His holiness. Then the third ascribe is why they should praise him. And I love David simply puts it, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Yeah, that's good. His name is above every name. Amen. We just sang about it. He is worthy of our praise. I, I thought about Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, where he says, Therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven where we're at right now in Psalms one or 29, 1 and 2, and on the earth, we're about to see this, and under the earth as well, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is His name. He is worthy of His name. There is no other name like the name of Yahweh. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. This is David calling us to worship him. So he's in the heavens in his mind with the heavenly beings, say, let's do this, right? Glory, strength, splendor of his holiness. It's do his name, let's go. And then you come to verses three through nine and you see the voice of God over the storm. So we've come out of the heavens now Maybe we're hanging out at about 5,000 feet above the earth and we're looking down now at the sky and the sea and we look to the west and we see that He rules over the sea. Look at verses 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. Good. You ever heard a good thunder lately? <laughs> the kind that just like shakes your house and like that... I felt that thunder. This is the feeling here. The glory, the God of glory thunders. And the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. We see in these two verses that God rules over the sky and the sea. That the voice of the Lord rules over them. Uh, he says here in in Verse 3, the Lord over many waters. That could be translated over mighty waters. So the picture that David is painting in his praise song to the Lord is of a hurricane that is forming in the sky and in the sea and it's moving towards land. This many waters, this this mighty waters is the picture of watching the radar of a a hurricane that is heading towards land. And when you look at that hurricane and you see it building momentum, you know, verse 4, that it is powerful and full of majesty. And he says, this is the voice of the Lord over the sky and the sea. As this hurricane is heading in verses five and six it hits land and we look to the north and we see that jesus rules over the high country look at verse five and six the voice of the lord breaks the cedars the lord breaks the cedars of lebanon he makes lebanon skip like a calf and syrian like a young wild ox in this he is building the momentum here when he goes from cedars to the cedars of Lebanon to Lebanon himself, it, the idea is he's building the strength of the storm. He says the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. What are these cedars? These uh, cedars are trees in Lebanon that are 100 feet high and 8 feet wide at the trunk. They're known throughout near, uh, ancient Near East as the most spectacular trees in the region. Solomon imported cedars from Lebanon to build his palace and the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Even today, if you were to Google search the Lebanese flag, in the middle of the flag is the cedars of Lebanon. And here's what the psalmist says, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. These 100 foot tall trees, 8 feet wide, The Lord with his voice snaps them like a toothpick. That's power. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. And then the storm continues to move inland. In verse 6, he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. That's a funny picture to me, skip like a a calf. You ever seen a scap... Like a, a calf skip, right? Thunder hits, they jump a little bit. It's, it's really a funny thing to watch. Google it and watch it on YouTube or something. But it is a funny thing to watch. But here's what he's talking about when he says Lebanon and Syrian. He's actually talking about Mountains. He's talking about the mountain, uh, the Mount of Lebanon, which is 10,000 feet high. And he's talking about the Syrian. He's talking about a Mount Hermon, which is 9,000 feet high. And he says, as the Lord breaks the cedars, breaks the cedars of Lebanon like toothpicks, his voice also causes these 10,000 foot mountains, 9,000 feet mountains to skip like a little calf. That is the strength and the power of the voice of the Lord. Then he goes farther inland to the wilderness, to the low country. In verses 7 through 9, it says the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. What do you think flames of fire are? Is. Lightning. Lightning. Flames of fire. Can you imagine in a wilderness? I've never experienced this before, but this is the picture he's pointing, painting for us. Is that we are in the wilderness of Lebanon here. We've gone beyond the mountains. Now we're in the wilderness and there's no lights around. Can you imagine what lightning looks like in an environment like that? You go from darkness to these flashes of lightning This is the picture that he is painting for us of the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh, 62,000 acres. And the voice of the Lord shakes it. That's some power, right? This is He is showing us the glory and the strength and the splendor of His holiness in the voice of the Lord that it shakes 62,000 acres of wilderness. He shakes it with His voice. Verse 9, The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. His voice is so terrifying that it sends the deer into early labor that it strips the wilderness bare if there was anything in the wilderness now it is gone that is glory that is strength that is the splendor of his holiness and then look at what happens at the end of verse 9. And in his temple, all cry glory. Here's the picture David paints for us. He's been in the heavens... Now he's come down and he sees this storm moving through. And all God's people, when the storm came, they went to the temple and they're huddled together in the temple. And what do they say when they see this massive hurricane move from the sky and the sea and through the mountains into the wilderness? They say, glory. Here would be maybe what we would say. Wow. 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 There is no God like our God. Wow. Then, verses 10 and 11, as the skies clear from the storm, David sees God sitting on His throne. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. David has now moved the storms out. The hurricane has moved through. We've seen the power and the glory and the splendor of His majesty. And it leaves us seeing God still sitting on His throne. He didn't vacate His throne in the midst of the storm. No, He's still sitting on His throne. Yes, amen. As David thinks of this, he says the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. What's interesting is... That this term flood is only used in the book of Genesis when it talks about the flood that happened in Genesis chapter 6. So in David's mind, as he is thinking about the destructive judgment that can come from the voice of the Lord, and he thinks about the flood that wiped out the earth, his mind says the Lord is still sitting on his throne. He has not vacated his throne. He still sits in power, even over a flood that that destroys the earth, right? He is still powerfully and glorified and wonderfully sitting on his throne. And I love that the, he says the Lord sits as king forever. Yes. This is a good reminder. Is in a couple weeks, we jump back into the book of Matthew, right? Matthew reminds us that Jesus is king. And David is saying, just so you know, the Lord sits on his throne and he is king forever. No matter what storms come, floods come, he's still sitting on his throne throne then it says in verse 11 may the lord give strength to his people may the lord bless his people with peace why do we need strength and peace because a hurricane just blew through (laughs) that sort of gets you off kilter a little bit doesn't it so isn't it kind that even in the power of his majesty That he would end this psalm with, the Lord gives strength and the Lord gives peace. We need strength and peace when we go through storms in our life. And the Lord gives that strength and peace. What a God to give His people strength and peace. It reminds me of a story in Jesus' life that that Mark records for us when Jesus is with his disciples and they're out on a lake and a storm comes, you remember this story? They're out on a lake, a storm comes, and Jesus. It says in verse uh, Mark chapter four and verse thirty-nine that he was in the stern asleep in the bottom of the boat, and they woke him, his disciples, and said, "Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?" And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "Peace." Be still. And you know what happened? The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Did you not believe that I would take care of you in the storm? And they were filled, the Bible says, with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is it? The Lord, Psalms 29, that's who it is, that has the power over the storm to allow the storms to come, but also has the power to say, peace, be still. And they obey Him. There's a story told of Harry Truman. Who was running for a primary election uh, for the US Senate seat? And this was in 1934. And Missouri was in a dire need of rain. And on a blistering summer day near Mexico, Missouri, Truman saw a farmer in a field having trouble with his binder. He stops the car, climbs over the fence, gives a brief introduction, takes off his coat, and as the local paper told it, proceeds to set up the binder under the hot sun for his newfound friend. Of course, Truman got some political capital out of this story. But still, the deed showed a man who was willing to come into the everyday dilemmas of his fellow citizens. And here's what this author says. That seems to be the assurance of verse 11 in the context of this psalm. The God whose voice shatters the cedars also climbs over the fence to give you strength and peace. Who is this God? John 1.14 The word, the voice of God became flesh, came over the fence, yes. and dwelt among us. He, he threw up a tent with us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only Son of God. This is Jesus. Jesus has come to bring us strength and peace, and He is Lord over all the Lord is over all the heavens over all creation and over all humanity he is sovereign he is supreme and there is nowhere your mind's eye can go that the Lord is not over the heavens the earth and down to the individual person he is Lord over all and so I have two questions for you the first question is this is he Lord of your life Psalms 29 is pointing us to the reality that He is Lord over all the heavens. He is Lord over the earth. He is Lord over His people. Is He Lord over you? Is He your Lord? I'll take you back to Philippians chapter 2. And it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Not some knees, Every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and listen to what they're going to confess. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, that's good. Amen. That he is over all. And so I'm asking you the question is he Lord of your life? Is he your supreme? Is he sitting on the throne of your heart? Romans ten nine says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He's Lord over my life, He's Lord over the storm, He's Lord over the heavens, He is Lord over everything. If we confess with our mouth, we agree with God that He is Lord over all, and we believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And today, there's someone sitting in this room that needs to take that step of confession and belief in Jesus and say, yes, you are the Lord of my life. I would invite you to do that right now. Because here's the reality of your story. Just FYI. If you don't call Him Lord now, you will someday. Because every knee will bow before the Lord. Lord. And they will see that he is the Lord over all. Is he Lord over your life? The second question I would have for you is do we praise him as the Lord of our life? Do we praise him as the Lord of our life? Here's what I thought. Romans 8, 28 makes this statement that I think only makes sense in light of the reality that I believe that He is Lord over all. If I believe that He is Lord over all, Romans 8.28 makes sense. Here's what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. That only makes sense if he's Lord over all. Because only God can take things that are broken and make them straight. Only God can take things that are dead and make them alive. Only God can allow you to go through a storm and after you go through the storm to come out on the other side of the storm and know that was good. Only if I believe that He is Lord over all can I praise Him even in the midst of hurricanes. Amen. Even in the midst of difficulties in my life knowing that He is working everything together for his good the lord is over all therefore we should praise him let me end our time by looking to the future when one day the bible says in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 13 that john sees this and says i heard every creature in heaven where we started at on the earth and under the earth and in the sea where we landed at and all that is in them saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. 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 Father, thank You that You are Lord over all. And I pray that if there's anyone in this room that has not submitted to you being the Lord of their life, that you rule over their life, that today they would take themselves off of the throne of their heart and put you in your rightful place as the Lord of their life. And for those of us who have done that, may we respond to you as David would call us to and praise you, because as we look at the heavens, as we look at the earth, as we look at our own lives, we see you are Lord over all. Therefore, you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to Antioch BBC. Org. That's Antioch, B-B-C, org. God's best to you.